0: Hi, I'm Sarah Bueno. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. So I talked a little bit in episode 12 about my issues with marketing, and I'm not going to apologize for it, but I am going to ask if you would be willing to share an episode. I would greatly appreciate it. So if you are an iTunes listener, I can tell you how to do that right now. If you're listening to the podcast, on a specific episode and you want to share it with somebody there are three little dots at the bottom right hand corner of your screen you click on those and then something will pop up and you have the opportunity to share an episode and you can share it by message or email or facebook or just copy the link and send it to somebody that way and if you want on spotify to share an episode gosh i'm doing this live right now so let's see there's the same thing on Spotify, OMG. So if you're listening to an episode, just to the right, you've got those three dots again. You click on that and you have an opportunity to share from there. So thanks so much if you're willing to share. I really appreciate you helping me spread the word. Today's guest is a new friend of mine. Uh, I think it's it's interesting I started out, you know, wanting to interview obviously friends of mine and healers that have walked into my life, but as I've been moving forward with this, I've been having the opportunity of connecting with people that I don't know, and this is one of those episodes, so I am really excited to share this with you. So Guy McPherson is our guest today, and he's a PhD husband and father of two. He holds his doctorate in clinical psychology. He spent the last several years studying the impact and treatment of trauma and early psychosis. And in 2014, Guy founded the Trauma Therapist Project. And his goal was to raise awareness about trauma and create an educational and supportive community for new trauma workers. And the Trauma Therapist Project has now grown into including the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Now it's being listened to in more than 160 countries around the world. And there's also Trauma Therapist 2.0, which is an online membership community specifically dedicated to educating and inspiring trauma workers just starting out in their trauma-informed journey. So I heard about the the Trauma Therapist podcast uh, actually at a seminar, and after the seminar was over, I went home and, and listened, well, actually, I listened to an episode on the way home because hooray iPhones, and I was like, ooh, this guy's got some cool shit to say. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Guy McPherson. All right. Hello, Guy. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah.
0: I'm excited. You're our first dude. Okay. <laughs>
1: Why are you uh, why 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 are you holding out?
0: That's a really good question. There is one other guy that specifically I want to be on and every time I ask him he just doesn't email me back. so either he's oh. resistant or I'm not persistent enough about it. I'm at a time in my life where I think women are stepping up in my life in a really beautiful way. and so I think that's the real reason that it's been more women on here.
1: Yeah, Well, that makes sense. I mean, I'm honored, I guess, to be the first guy. (laughs) I'm probably the first guy GUI on here too.
0: Right. True. Both. definitely (laughs)
1: the first guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So no pressure. Uh, You speak for all mankind. So (laughs) be amazing. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. (laughs) So why don't you start out being amazing and telling us who you are and what you do?
1: Oh boy. All right. My name is Guy McPherson and I think probably most notably for this podcast, I'm founder of the Trauma Therapist Project and host of the Trauma Therapist Podcast. I live in Oakland, California. I have a wife, nine-year-old son, two-year-old girl. And my goal has been to kind of raise the awareness of trauma and to support new trauma workers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of help them launch into the field.
0: Awesome. I'm curious why the focus on new trauma workers?
1: Because I'll tell you that when I was in graduate school and I decided to go back and pursue this profession, career, whatever, I had been out of school for 18 years. So Mm -hmm. I went back to get my BA. Then I went to graduate school. And when I was in graduate school, I was, what, 36, 37, 38 Mm -hmm. years old. So, you know, not young. And I had had therapy before, which I loved, had been in therapy. I didn't really value that. And mm. my experience was like, okay, what book do I need to read? What workshop do I need to mm. go to? What conference, like all this external stuff I wanted to learn. I was hungry and thirsty for, and I thought that was going to make me like this trauma therapist because I knew I wanted to focus mm. on trauma. Right. And Knowledge
0: didn't... will make me the best. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, I, and I wasn't honoring my own self, my own experience. Mm. And, and in fact, And this goes back, this is another door, another pathway, which we don't necessarily have to open right now. But I didn't honor that of who I was, basically, and what I brought to my own experience. And there's so much power and significance in who we are as people within the context of being a therapist, a clinician, Mm -hmm. and a trauma worker. So that's why I focus on that.
0: I would actually love to dig into that question of why you didn't honor that part of yourself because, you know, I find myself talking a lot with not only clients that I work with, but also other therapists about the level of fear of stepping into one's authenticity, into one's calling, into this like deeper kind of soul work, which I think trauma work really hits at soul work and spirit sort of a lens, you know, to look at it that way. So what was it yeah. at that time that got in the way for you?
1: Yeah. You're, you're, you're going for the juggler, right? Yeah, away. I am. Yeah, let's that. do
0: it. I'm a therapist, uh, man. Right. Let's get into it.
1: <laughs> um, no, that, that's the question. And it's interesting because that has been my focus and my passion because it's what happened for me is that in doing my my own podcast and talking to these clinicians and asking them what's been their mistake or mm-hmm. share a, a clinical error inevitably it's that topic and not stepping into themselves and owning themselves and mistakes around that or errors around that in the relationship so honestly i think it goes back to when i was Young, mm-hmm. I got this idea in my head from a certain experience that I wasn't smart enough. And I just kind of manifested itself and screwed me up in a lot of different ways, like academically,
0: mm-hmm, not
1: mm-hmm. creatively, because I always was creative and I had a lot of confidence in that, but just kind of book learning, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. As they say and i think honestly that's why i pursued a graduate degree mm. you know i didn't have faith and confidence in the worth of my creativity and as a result i didn't really value that part of me but it's turned out that i really love this whole aspect of trusting yourself and trusting who I am, because mm-hmm. you know who you are as a clinician is going to be different than who someone else is as a clinician relative to a particular client, right. and that's fine, right? But it's being able to honor and value the spontaneity of a, an authentic relationship, obviously with ethics in place. I'm not talking about just flinging open the doors right. unethically without care and safety, but that whole topic of, you know, how can I be who I am and bring who I am in relationship to whether it's a particular client or with my wife, with my friend, with a yeah. different relationship. And that's a whole other thing, too, how this whole subject has ignited My interest in how this plays out or manifests in other relationships too.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that you're talking about that because it's funny. My husband just went back to school to become a a social worker as well, and he's 39. So it sounds like a pretty similar kind of thing. And he came from corporate America, and I've been noticing shifts in him that are then shifting our relationship because he's showing up in the world so much more authentically because he's finally got the shackles of corporate America off. And it's so funny because he's a morning person. And one of the silly ways that this manifests is he gets up in the morning and he's like, hi, how are you? Let's talk about this. And And I'm like, no, I don't talk. Before eight AM, and it's we just joke about he's so much happier and lighter and looser, and that's just almost a superficial reaction mm-hmm. to to this learning about himself through this process of becoming a therapist. And I, I think it's such a unique journey. And I always said that graduate school was the best therapy I ever had, not because it in and of itself was therapy, but I became a better receiver of therapy once I became a therapist, because then I knew what we were doing. (laughs) And I knew what I knew, I knew how to show up in a way that was more effective, I think.
1: Yeah. And, you know, all this isn't to say that it's easy either. Right. Yeah. And it's for me, and obviously this is going to be different for everyone, but for me, it's a challenge because you're talking about Mm self-identity and self-esteem and for me, I had this idea, this mistaken idea of what a therapist should be or what mm. I should be as a therapist mm. or how they should act. And I remember one of my first clinical experiences, I was working with elderly population with dementia mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. memory issues. And I remember working with this one particular client and then going into supervision I had a great supervisor. And I was really frustrated and I was kind of pissed off because mm-hmm. this particular client wasn't listening to me. <laughs> I hate
0: it when they do that, right? Yeah, How dare yeah, you have and my, self-determination?
1: <laughs> and my supervisor was like, let me ask you something. Why does she need to listen to you? Mm, and I was oh, so taken yeah. what you, I said to myself, What do you mean? Why do they? Have, I'm the mm. therapist. I'm going to school. And I said, Well, isn't she supposed to listen? And she was like, No. <laughs> you no, know, that I love really. It. Yeah. So, this whole idea of taking off, you know, fucking throwing off that mm-hmm. hat and getting rid of that agenda, that suitcase, you know, that. One, oftentimes I certainly did c- came to therapy session with this idea of, okay, I'm going to implement this, you know, this particular intervention that I read about mm-hmm. in Pat Ogden's book or Gabor Mate's book or whatever, and getting rid of this idea of fixing and then, but uh, replacing that with being willing to trust in the process and in your client's mm-hmm. process, you know, and then now we start talking about trusting being and the right. relationship and to me, that is so powerful and exciting. And it just gets raw in a very real way.
0: Absolutely. I actually interviewed my my own therapist this morning for the podcast, and, and she was reflecting on the idea that We can bring love back into the therapy relationship, you know, of course, with boundaries and that sort of thing, and not even being about like I, as a therapist, love you as a client, but opening up to this greater idea that there is an abundance of love and that every client has worth and is important, and, you know, creating this loving cocoon in which to embrace people when they come in the room. And that's kind of how I feel about it, too. Like, if I just create this loving space for you and you've never had that before, what transformations can happen just as a result of that, let alone the interventions that I might share with you?
1: Well, I mean, that's that's the question. You know, I think that's a great question. And a lot of the people I talk to say, really, that's it. Right. You know, that's it. And, you know, from. Uh, my experience with the podcast, which is really about trauma, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about individuals who've been traumatized, that's exactly what they don't have or that right. oftentimes has been taken away or stripped away or yanked away from them. And to be able to be in that position where they're experiencing that love or, or trusting,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you or themselves enough to receive that, that is what healing's about.
0: Right. What um, What was your profession yeah. before you went back to grad school?
1: Well, when I left high school, I went right into what was Philadelphia College of Art for mm. a year. So I was painting and doing illustration. Mm. And then I left that. Yeah, I left that after a year and I uh, pursued music. So I was playing in bands. You're a musician
0: for, too. OMG, we have yeah. so much in common. <laughs>
1: yeah. I did that for a, maybe four or five years. And then I started writing fiction for a long hmm. time. And I was working on a couple of books that didn't get published. And I was writing about really a lot of what we're talking about here. Hmm. But I wasn't really living that. And hmm. it wasn't until about, was it? year 2000 that I got this phone call from a friend of mine that I had worked with probably a year prior to the phone call. And it turned out that she was calling all of her friends to let them know that she had AIDS and she'd been living (sighs) with it for nine years. And she was calling to say goodbye. (gasps) Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. You know, I just at once I felt this like telephone, flaming telephone pole Mm. javelin through my chest. And at the same time, this amazing strength and courage in her, in how she was dealing with this. And I got off that phone, Sarah, I was like, you know, oh my God, there's no way that I have that strength. There's Mm. no way that I have that courage. And that was the point at which I said, I need to find that. And so I started
0: Hmm. going
1: out on these different trips to to really find that for myself. And through one of these trips, which was a survival course out in Boulder, Colorado with Hmm. the Boulder Outdoor Survival School, I, Hmm. myself and this other member, we were helping this one guy who got really sick on this course and Mm -hmm. we were just like supporting him, encouraging him and inspiring him. him. And that was when I decided this, you know, is what I want to do with my life. I want to help people in dire situations. So I went back to finish my BA, then graduate school.
0: Oh, wow. That's such yeah. a cool it's interesting. I just came from from running a group. I do a lot of work with addiction and we were talking about failure and, you know, n- quote unquote negative experiences that happen in life and really that being the precipice from which we jump and learn. And we can't learn without failure and how you were describing yourself early on in your process of I'm gonna think my way through through this, and you know I'm gonna mm-hmm. l- learn me all this uh trauma stuff and fix people, right. and you had to quote unquote have this failure with your client in order to mm-hmm. experience that wow, and wow, yeah, what strength your friend had to share? Can I ask what ended up happening with her?
1: You know, I honestly uh lost contact with her. she as far as I know, she's still living. Wow. I know a couple of years after that experience, she was still living. She got a lot of treatment. This was right around the time when there was a lot of, fortunately, helpful treatment coming out. Right. So, yeah, but that, Mm. yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah, that was kind of uh, indelibly imprinted into my being, Mm. that experience. This whole discussion is really making me think of, you know, you talked about looking at things negatively, and I am someone who does believe that, it's okay for me to perceive an experience as negative, Mm -hmm. but what do I do with that? Right. You know, after that, like for me, you know, I've had a number of negative, what I would call, you know, negative experiences, Mm -hmm. but okay. So what's my lens now? How am I, Mm -hmm. what am I doing with that? So yeah, I'm still this work in progress. You know, I was working the last five years, I was working in this clinic where we, uh, assessed and treated kids for the most part who were showing early signs of psychosis.
0: Mm. And
1: there's trauma all over the place, no, not surprising.
0: Sure.
1: And one of the parts of the our job was to do these phone screens. Mm. So you'd get these teachers and therapists or whatever calling and referring kids and you run through the questions and, and it always came down to there's trauma. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point, Sarah was like, what? the fuck is going on here? Well, yeah. What is going on? So that was really the this, one of the big points for me to start this, the podcast. And so that's what I'm doing, you know, supporting them. So I left that job and trying to do this full time now.
0: Hmm. Wow. So you're not working with clients currently? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, I wanted to kind of move towards the the healer question. And I think it's really interesting in the context of, you know, you're not doing direct practice, but right. I think of doing this sort of work as, as being a healer as well, because I feel – I guess I I feel and I don't know if you feel this way, kind of a sense of responsibility to all the therapists that I walk with and then who are coming up behind me to kind of like be the Boy Scout and, you know, leave the world better than I found it. And (laughs) that's kind of how I look at the reasons that I teach and I do seminars. And the reason I'm doing this podcast is to try to in part what I've learned. Mm-hmm. You know, not that I'm the expert, but I've I've done some work. And so here I am sharing sure. that information. And I think that's healing, whether or not we're working in direct practice. So I'm I'm curious for you, can you apply the word healer to your work? What does that word mean to you in, in terms of your identity as therapist, podcaster, all of that?
1: Yeah, that I think that's a really good question. Before you asked me that, I was gonna you know, say, well, I think it depends on how you define healing or mm. what is a healer. But I would agree, you know, I mean, I get emails all the time from people who are listening saying, you know, thank you so much and blah, 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 blah. The other side to that is, you know, am I okay with my situation? You know, you're asking these questions that are really making me reflect on my, who I am <laughs> and, well, what the hell I'm doing, really. Oh, goodness. You know, Did I ever think I'd be doing this? No, I I didn't know what a podcast was or that Mm -hmm. I could do it. You know, I thought I was going to, you know, work as a clinician. And so in short, I do think it's healing. I mean, people are healed in different ways, right? Right. Uh, And people accept healing from different ways. And I think the guests that I have on my podcast and what they impart, on that podcast is is very healing. And mm-hmm. I think just what we're doing now, you know, it can be healing for a lot of people to know that there are different ways to go about doing things. And life isn't always or most mostly isn't always this direct perfect line from A to B mm-hmm. or A to Z, you know? Right. And that's certainly been my experience. And I think that I'm, I'm coming into that step-by-step kind of owning what I'm doing and who mm-hmm. I am and, mm-hmm. and being okay with that. That, that's a process for me.
0: Well, so. f- for everyone, I think. And as you were saying that, I was thinking that I guess the intended audience that you have, primarily young therapists, I think that what your podcast provides too is also validation. And validation has been something that I've always been seeking. It's something I felt like I didn't get as a child. And so now in my adult life, it's always seeking validation and providing validation. And that's the idea behind this podcast too, is talking to people who might be in a healing profession, but also have their own struggles. And just to remind Mm -hmm. everybody that the person on the other side of the couch doesn't necessarily have all the answers either. We're all walking in this together. And that, for me, is extremely validating. And I I imagine the reason that your listeners keep coming back is they get that validation too.
1: Thank you for that. And I I hope that's true. And I think that's, that's a really good point, that I think in our society, the therapist-client relationship is set up for the most part. And I think this is in part fortified by some therapists in an imbalanced way, right? That the therapist right. has all this knowledge mm-hmm. and they're up here and yeah. the client's down here. but kind I of see in your hands even way. though I can't see right, them. Right, <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, kind of in
1: an unspoken way. hmm and hey, you know, I thought that too when I first started out, but in a good way, you know, in a respectful right. way. But that's BS, right? And it's not so much that the therapist, and I know you know this and your listeners probably know this too, but I'm just going to say it to help me. Yeah, <laughs> It's not so much that the therapist has the answers, but you know hopefully they provide a different lens, and that can right. be helpful and different experiences. but then we come back to this question of okay, so to what degree is the therapist have they you know done their own work, and are they comfortable right. with who they are because that's when that happens, I think that lays the foundation for for magic to happen,
0: yeah exactly, exactly. it's so interesting too, because so my therapist is really into astrology and I don't know enough about it, but I'm just fascinated by it. And I think of it in terms of gravity, right? So like if if there's a force that's keeping all the planets together, rotating around the earth and it makes like waves go back and forth and there's then it's definitely affecting humans, right? Because we're made of water. So that's how I think of it. And I always find every given week, there's a theme to what my clients are bringing into the room Almost unfailingly, I will have the same conversation (laughs) with at least, Uh you know, three-fourths of the clients that I'm seeing. Like yesterday's theme in the room was all shame. All of it. Uh Everybody talked about shame. And I can't remember why I started saying that, but there was a definite real (laughs) real Uh reason. But just like we're all oh, the like, you know, the therapist walking that walk too. Like I am having the same theme with my clients sometimes, you know, shame has been a big thing for me in the past several weeks. And so it's, it's interesting that my clients are having this experience. I'm having this experience. My friends are having this experience. There is something to us all walking that path. We're at different parts of our journey. We're in a little bit different place, but we're all on the same
1: path. Yeah, I, I think that the thing that bothered me about this notion that well you know, therapists don't necessarily have the answers or it's okay not to have the answers or, you know, it's okay, not. your job's not to fix or to cure. Well, mm-hmm. then if it's not that, what is it? Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I'm discovering that it was being willing to be a witness or being willing yeah. to walk alongside of and to guide, mm-hmm. you know, okay, well, what does that mean? Again, that invites invitation in a sense to, to know who you are as a therapist, to be comfortable with mm-hmm. that, get to know that. And that whole topic and the fear it can bring up and certainly has brought up in myself is very interesting and inspiring to me. This idea of spontaneity, you know, mm-hmm. even before we started talking and you were like, what well, questions or whatever. And I was like, no, let's just roll with it. To me, I, I love that. And to be able to have that fearlessness in a sense makes me think of like, planets colliding in a positive way or just Mm -hmm. in a constructive way, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. And that fearlessness, that's been a theme that's been coming up too in some of these conversations is what is it for you maybe that in terms of fearlessness, is that something that you had to cultivate? Is that something that you decided to step into? Is it something that you practice or is it something that you've had? How do you show up and be courageous?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another really good one. Uh, when I was talking before about my earlier years, I was into music from the get-go and just into art and just had this like passionate creativity vector that just like soared through my life. And hmm. it, it got to a point where I kind of squashed that. Hmm. And when I got to graduate school and I started and, and, and I knew that I wanted to get involved in trauma and I started taking workshops and courses in trauma and I saw seasoned clinicians, like people with years of experience doing working together in dyads. Mm. And I saw them like being themselves. Hmm. I was like, whoa. I was like, (laughs) I was like, wow. Not just whoa, but I was like, wow. And that kind of gave me permission to like be myself and to say to that creative part of myself, hey, guys, let's, you know, let's go. Now it's time to step up Mm -hmm. and step into who you are. And then just again with the podcast and hearing all of these clinicians talk about the mistakes they made in just that topic of not honoring themselves and owning themselves and being willing or fearless enough to step into themselves, but knowing Mm -hmm. and learning that that's where healing can happen. That also has really given me permission to to step up and and just also too even more and more recently stepping into my role as as okay I'm not seeing clients. I'm doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? <laughs> no. Who am I
0: again? Yeah.
1: Yeah. What does mm-hmm. it mean this role I have? And mm-hmm. so a lot of self trust is going on mm-hmm. around here in in different levels. <laughs>
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there's a groundlessness to it, right? There's you know, to call oneself, oh, I'm a podcaster, oh, what does that mean? And how do I make money doing that? I think that's really cool to step into that and to be able to, I guess, make friends with the fear. You didn't say that, but that's kind of what I heard,
1: right? Right, yeah, definitely, you know, make friends with the fear, and yeah, again, just just. You know, a lot of my, I think, struggle, if you will, has been with seeing myself one way. You know, mm-hmm. from a young age, I I wanted to see myself one way, but then realizing that I really kind of wasn't that way. You know, academics mm-hmm. is a really good way. A lot of it has to mm-hmm. do with the courage to step into who we are. And I I just think, depending on what side of the therapeutic client relationship you're on, I, I mm-hmm. think is relevant. So relevant.
0: Yeah. And and I also think too, when you talk about your artistic history, I think that therapy is an art. And that's another one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast as well, is I teach and I went to the school that I teach at. So I know really like kind of the the mm-hmm. flavor and the dynamic of the school. And it's it's very You know, clinically minded, and we're focused on theory, and you know, and this is how you do things, and evidence based. And while we absolutely 100% need all of that, I want to teach my students the art of becoming a therapist. And it's improv. I was talking with another friend today about the way that I do group therapy is very much like I would improv if I were. I, I am not an improv actress, but I am a recovering musical theater actress. And it's improvisation, right? You're just using mm-hmm. what somebody brings you in the room. And so I think therapy is extremely creative and makes a lot of sense to me when people transition from an arts career into a, a mental health career.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would completely agree, you know, and being able to create a space for that improv to happen Mm -hmm. is certainly a skill. And another thing that really helped me in a way, and it feels weird to use that word with this topic, but a couple of years ago when my mom died, when it happened unexpectedly and you Mm -hmm. know, I I was uh, working at that clinic, I was seeing clients and I stopped for, I think, a week, 10 days, whatever. I needed a break, obviously, and I thought it was fine you know, uh, I got to get back to work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, You know where this is going. I do. (laughs) Yeah. And well, I figured, you know, okay, I'm home. I'm dealing with it. It's awful and tragic. And uh, let me get back to work, get my mind off the stuff. Anyway, going back to work. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing a client and this client was talking about an experience that they'd had with one of their own family members who died. And man, That was it. I was just like Mm. triggered somatically up Mm -hmm. the yin yang for the first time really in my life where I was like, whoa, this is what triggered is about. I was like,
0: Mm -hmm. you got hijacked.
1: Oh man. Yeah. And you know, all this stuff was going on in my mind, in my head. And I was like, I need to get out. And after that session, I took more time off Mm. and that experience for me gave me a lot of strength and trust and courage in my own ability to be okay with whatever happens. Mm. You know, we're talking about improv in a sense, mm-hmm. because I think, and again, this can be extrapolated to to any relationship, really. It's about trust. Mm -hmm. You know, trust, you know, a lot of times when people talk about trauma within the context of providing trauma treatment, people are like, oh, I don't want to, you know, uh, I'm I'm scared. I might Mm -hmm. trigger the person or re-traumatize them, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. blah. But that's a relevant issue and and certainly valid. But when one has this deep-seated knowing that I'm not going to fuck up. Right. The only you know how what what am I going to do? I'm not going to do something crazy off the board all the way on this far end of the continuum. Right. That that's non-existent in this in this happening, you know, because I so much believe in the relationship mm. and the power of that. You know, one of the analogies I like to use is the difference between viewing the Relationship again, whether it's therapeutic or whatever, as a glass ball, this fragile glass ball that oh mm-hmm. my god, I'm gonna trip and it's gonna break, mm-hmm. as opposed to this mound of amazing clay mm-hmm.
0: that oh I love it's, that you
1: know if it drops okay, it'll have a little dent, but mm-hmm. we're gonna learn from that and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know that that trust. So and when I say this, I realize I'm talking about my own self. You know my yeah. own process of trusting myself. In, you know, you've gotten me to talk about all this stuff going on for myself here.
0: That's the point. <laughs> that's the point. Yeah,
1: it's right. it's Intense.
0: Right. I mean, it, it, that's why it's conversations with a wounded healer, right? Because we <laughs> all have our wounds, we all have our scars, and and all these things that we've been through. And I mean, I imagine that the experience that you had being triggered by your your clients the, the death of of your client's family member would only make you a better therapist
1: yeah yeah and and I think being willing to step away and mm-hmm. to to recognize that and I know you know when I came back I just had a lot of confidence again in in the process
0: it's mm-hmm. like when you
1: go through something like that you're like well what could be worse in a sense you know right and and I think this is what I together with, with my guests, want to create for newer therapists, you know, mm-hmm. to, to help them be aware of their own ability to create spontaneity and, yeah. and the power of improv. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever comes up, because there's a lot of trust in being willing to be okay with whatever comes up. Yeah. You know, the the dreaded silence, right? Um, <laughs> right? The dreaded not knowing what to say. Yeah. All those things.
0: Absolutely. It's funny. Well, I guess it's not really funny, but my, my mom also died. My My parents both died in the same year. And it was the same year that I opened my practice, which was like perfect, right? Thanks universe. (laughs) And I got the call in the morning that my mom had died. And then I had a bunch of appointments that day that weren't clinical, but, but were, I, I was a field liaison. So I was visiting with interns and I went to the appointments and one of my good friends was, was actually at one of the places that I went and she saw me and she just looked at me with this like what the fuck are you doing here? Kind of look, because she knew that my mom had died. And I was so in shock that day that I had to work because I couldn't, what else was I going to do? Right. And then when I took time off, I sent an email to my clients and they knew that my dad had passed away. And then I sent the email that my mom had passed away. Luckily it was December and nothing happens in December. And so I just took the rest of the month off and Most of my clients, once I saw them again, their response was, thank you for being honest and authentic and a great model for Mm self-care, which was not my intention. I was just like, guys, this is what I got to do. And I get that feedback from my staff, too, that I am modeling taking care of oneself in a way that not everybody does. And so- Again that speaks to this wounded healer idea that we have mm-hmm. to tend to these wounds and we have to we have to do that work otherwise we are going to continue to get triggered and then what what good would you be to a client if you are just triggered all the time you wouldn't be right, any good right yeah
1: when that experience happened to me it reminded me of that quote zen proverb that goes let go or be dragged mm. you know and i definitely was dragged and it's like authenticity, whether you step into it or stumble into <laughs> it, it just cuts through the bullshit. And I think that for me, you know if you know we use the the model of uh, parts, you know Richard mm-hmm. Schwartz uh, model, parts,
0: mm-hmm.
1: part of me, part of myself definitely would run and walk and move in authenticity. And another part of me, I think, has definitely been dragged and yeah. stumbled. And I think when people see authenticity and feel it and witness it, if we might not know it or recognize it, but people see it and they mm-hmm. and it cuts through the bullshit. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, you know, like people saw you. And they're like, thanks for doing that. And you're like, right. What did I do?
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's. It's interesting when you said the the quote about <laughs> being dragged, because I wonder if we would do half the work that we're called to do if we weren't dragged into it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think about all the ways that I try to intentionally cultivate some healing, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And, you know, a couple of years ago, my desire was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to fucking love myself. I'm really going to get it this time. <laughs> Right. And it's only been with these experiences that I've had recently in growing my business of, of groundlessness and fear that I have been able to then step back and love myself and it is i have been forced to practice self-compassion i have avoided mm-hmm. that like the fucking plague because it feels too like too vulnerable like if i wasn't doing it i'd i'd be crazier than i already am right now so i'm i'm being dragged to be compassionate to myself and thank god <laughs> right <laughs>
1: Yeah, that word vulnerability is a big one, too. I think anathema to a lot of us and certainly to me, it was like, what am I supposed to? What do you mean vulnerable? What do you mean mm-hmm. you know, let my guard down? And this topic of being willing to be who we are, you know, letting it flow and also mm-hmm. holding the intention that doing that, having that balance is is an art. It's not yeah. an easy one. No. You know.
0: It's the hardest. <laughs> it's the hardest. Oof.
1: You asked some really good questions here.
0: Yay! Thanks. Going. Thanks. <laughs> it's so it's so funny in this experience of doing the podcast. You know, I never like you, I never thought I'd be doing a podcast. And I love the organicity of being a, I'm a good interviewer because I'm a good therapist, right? Like you are just, all you got to do is listen and pick up the little pieces. And Mm -hmm. it's been so fun. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you really want to make sure to get across to listeners today?
1: Not in terms of the discussion. I think you nailed it. You know, I think you asked some really good questions and hopefully I gave some Semi coherent response. Responses.
0: Isn't that so funny? I gave a talk last night and it was off the cuff, and I was like, I have no idea what I said. I hope it was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I I think this has been so lovely. And it's been really cool to get to know you. And, you know, just so listeners know, I did not know Guy before this, we we talked for maybe five minutes before we started recording. Mm -hmm. And this is it's been a quite a pleasure. And I'm grateful to you for doing the work that you're doing. Because I do think that we need to be reaching out to young therapists so we can continue to help this industry grow in a positive direction. So thank you for everything that you're doing.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to come on here and share my experience with your listeners.
0: Wonderful. All right, Guy, we'll talk soon. All right, take care. Guy, thank you so much for joining me as my guest today. And as always, thank you to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Impostor Studios for editing. Thanks to Liam O'Donnell for the awesome album art photo and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. To find more about the Trauma Therapist podcast, the Trauma Therapist Project, and everything else about Guy McPherson, you can visit my website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Spotify and iTunes and all that other fun stuff. Stuff. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time. Bye bye.